Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. We've got an interesting and special episode this week uh, due to travel and some other things. Uh, but we're going to bring you a sort of a package of useful things, I hope, that keep your attention and uh, inform you. Uh, I'm going to start with a little bit of news and reviews, if you will. Uh, that focus on curcumin, the anti-inflammatory. We've talked about it in the past uh, from curry powder, turmeric, uh, those sorts of things, uh, some of the pros and cons, but keeping it commercial. It's not going to be an exhaustive scientific literature review. Uh, after that, after the break, uh, Phil Stevens, Coach Stevens, is going to talk about goals and some other things and sort of a special topic that he was able to pre-record so the first part of this will be more uh, commercial review oriented. I know we don't do a lot of that. And then the second part of the show, after the mid-show break, uh, we're going to have Coach Stevens talk about something that might be more um, motivational or informative from uh, more of a psychological, goal-setting, personality-type uh, sort of deal. Strength and Muscle Sport News. But let's get into the their curcumin thing, starting with a little bit of news. Uh, I was turned on to this through the Institute of Food Technologist uh, web feed, news feed. Um, there is a new paper from Purpura and colleagues in the European Journal of Nutrition, and it's essentially about different formulations to improve the oral bioavailability of curcumin. If you're not familiar with what it's been claimed to do, uh, antioxidant, anti-cancer, uh, the anti-inflammatory part, I think, is what's most interesting probably to lifters. Maybe the antioxidant as well uh, regarding joint inflammation, uh, soreness and recovery, uh, and those sorts of things. There's even uh, some reports of anti-diabetic qualities. I'm usually a little dubious about that because, frankly, you can find almost any herb or phytochemical, right, P-H-Y-T-O, plant chemical, uh, that has some suggestion that it's helpful for carbohydrate metabolism. So I get a little tired of, of that one. But the anti-inflammatory stuff has gotten a lot of attention. And if you start to realize a lot of the chronic conditions here in the U.S. are actually low-grade inflammatory disorders, heart disease, diabetes, even obesity. There's some common links with low-grade inflammation, not the kind you can feel, but low-grade chronic inflammation. But let me set this up with some background. So uh, myself and Dr. Nelson and a couple of other people that you've heard on the show, we have worked with dietary supplement companies as sort of sometimes the token academic um, or scientist, and we'd work with the uh, marketers and whatnot. And the way a lot of this works is wholesalers will approach retailers with a specific formulation. Like they might say, we've got this proprietary version of curcumin and you can absorb it much better. Because everybody knows that curcumin is not very water-soluble, right? water-mixable. It's not going to absorb that well. Uh, and that's disappointing because of some of its potential. Uh, so then the retailer will actually 
kind of give the wholesaler a cut. Like, okay, we like your special version of curcumin. We think that's maybe more bioavailable, uh, whatever it might be. And then some retailers will then have different SKUs, right, product versions that include these sort of trademarked proprietary versions of an herb, let's say. So that's kind of the background, I suppose. And so I'm going to bring this uh, this sort of focus onto something that I've been playing around with lately. I've been buying some curcumin products from the Now Company, and this is not an ad. Um, I just want to explain to you some of the, the different ways that this works. Um, but I was buying more of a standardized extract of it, and I would kind of double or triple dose it, hoping to get the, a better absorption. Uh, I'm playing with something a little bit different now. So uh, here's the product review. Iron Radio Review. Um, there's actually two versions, and I think it's informative, again, when you start to look at the specific formulation and how, the, in this case, the Now Company has looked at different wholesalers, if you will, uh, for their special version of it. But the one that I decided to sort of play with is called Curcubrain Longvita, uh, 400 milligrams. It's 50 count. It's $19.73 for 50 capsules. Uh, it's about 39 cents per tab. Um, you could go to Nettrition if you don't want to do the Amazon route. It's $19.99, so it's very similarly you know, uh, priced. Uh, but the claims about the product are that it's absorbed by the GI, GI tract, gastrointestinal tract. It's delivered to the rest of the body as free curcumin. And again, I'm just reading from Amazon here. Um, it helps penetrate the blood-brain barrier, and I think that's what this Longvita version of curcumin uh, is supposed to do. So what is it, you might ask? Uh, the Longvita version appears to be, um, let's see, here's a paper by Nahar and colleagues from the Journal of Medicinal Food uh, in 2015, and I know I promised I wasn't going to make this a huge science review, um, but they talk about the different ways of enhancing the bioavailability. And the Longvita one looks like it's a novel solid lipid curcumin particle. So a lipid-connected uh, particle that's reported to increase the bioavailability compared to the generic sort of standardized uh, extracts. And then in this particular version, it says help support healthy neuronal tissues. Uh, and I think it's because this this purportedly optimized version of curcumin is supposed to cross the blood-brain barrier. And I think that's sort of the angle that the Longvita version of this, if I'm understanding this right, that's their angle. It could cross the blood-brain barrier and it may help with uh, cognitive function or preventing cognitive decline in some way, perhaps. Um, though Those aren't claims that I'm reading. But if you pan down the website, again, I'm just sort of digging around in a free-form way here. Um, but th there is some discussion about this you know how is this different from let's say jaro com the company jaro uh, and their curcumin and that sort of thing how is the long vita form different from uh some of the other forms right so uh there's another form of this in fact called meriva m-e-r-i-v-a and so 
the now company for example has taken biocurcumin phytosome they call it so this is the the phytosome version and phytosomes they use a phospholipid uh, they try to combine the compounds in the herb with a phospholipid and if you're not familiar phospholipids have a fat friendly side molecularly and they have a water friendly side and your body uses phospholipids in in many ways uh cell membranes um with digestion for example like the bile that's produced by your liver and concentrating your gallbladder it goes into your digestive tract and helps sort of solubilize the fats that we consume you know things like that so the the concept of phospholipids is not new but this idea of a phytosome well maybe we can make something uh, like curcumin that's not very bioavailable somehow we can make it more um, soluble in water and therefore more bioavailable uh, so this version that I'm looking at also again also from the now company in this little product review um, this is called a curcumin phytosome the cost is a little bit um, different I, it's comparable it's 1789 uh, for 60 capsules it's a 30 cent per cap uh, breakdown sort of thing uh, and it's funny how they market these things in different ways in this case uh, instead of like more cognitive and blood brain focused because this particular phytosome version again a different way to enhance the absorption from the long vita version um, this has the selling points on the label of a balanced inflammatory response um, and again it, met, it mentions a patented curcumin complex with phosphatidylcholine again trying to get better uh, absorption by sort of attaching it to something uh, that has an aqueous friendly end um, when you look at some of the reviews for these things and I'm very dubious about customer reviews on things like Amazon uh, because let's face it I mean if there are hundreds yeah you start thinking some of these are real if there's only a handful I'm always concerned there could be anonymous a plant from the company you know just talking it up in some way um, here though you could see there's quite a few questions there's quite a few reviews for the the first product that I talked about the curcubate brain and that's the one that I'm playing with right now just I, I happened upon it and again trying to in increase the the absorption uh, of this 400 milligram curcumin item um, there are let's see 79 reviews with 4.1 out of 5 stars so when I see 79 reviews it suggests at least that there's some real ones here but again not only are do you have to be concerned that they're real versus a commercial sort of um you know sales someone planted there but also that you may begin reading a review from someone who thinks they understand the biology of it or the or the nutrition of it and and they don't uh, so you have to be careful with some of the inter interpretations uh as well but having said that yeah 79 reviews with 4.1 out of 5 stars and this other version has 78 reviews with 4.3 out of 5 stars so uh comparable um I guess from my particular perspective just playing around with different curcumin products in the last year or so again because my joints are sort of shot osteoarthritis that sort of thing I tore some cartilage in my left knee running I know running bad uh, last year but um, I feel like it may be actually helping with some of the pain and inflammation it's really hard to tell because I am not going to do a one supplement like a isolation type experiment on myself for months at a time so for example I also take glucosamine chondroitin and MSM 
um, again, partly because of my knee and degenerated joints and whatnot. And so I don't know if that's doing more of the good uh, versus the curcumin. Uh, you get the idea. But there does seem to be a fair amount of science about um, curcumin, again, coming from turmeric and curry powder uh, in general. And it's also pretty well established scientifically that the, the bioavailability is poor. And that's why I'm trying to look at some of these different products uh, that complex it with something that maybe you can absorb it better. But I mentioned the Jaro company. Jaro Formulas is another company that I've tended to like over the years for different reasons. They seem to have high quality. They've been around long enough. I don't think it's fly by night, right? The longer the company's around, I tend to think the more they have to lose and therefore the less sketchy and shady they're going to be. Um, but Jaro has one also on Amazon, Curcumin Phytosome, again, Mariva. And that, there's that sort of proprietary version of it. It's slightly cheaper than the now version. Uh, this one is $15.67 or 26 cents per tablet. Um, there's even a 15% coupon running right now for this one. Uh, I, although I like Jaro in general, I haven't tried their specific version of curcumin. Uh, this one also has, uh, as far as about the product claims here, supports healthy inflammatory response. So similar to the now version, uh, 60 capsules this time. Uh, 500 milligrams, it looks like. And I would be remiss if I didn't also point out that one of the things to look for is the percentage of actual curcuminoids, right? One, when you consume herbs, one of the things you look for is a standardized extract. I certainly do. There is the argument some people would make that, no, you want the whole herb. There could be other things in there that help it work, like in the, the you know, the traditional ethnobiology of it all. I tend to narrow down to what you know how many what's the percentage of curcuminoids like this jaro formula phytosome has 18 to 22 percent curcuminoids um i have in my hand the curcu brain stuff it's again it's a different form it has um 20 percent standardized for curcuminoids so pretty similar in the extract and i'm not surprised by that because again we're talking about either the long vida brand uh, at the wholesale level, kind of, or the Mariva brand. Uh, and again, these are different, right? The Mariva brand being the um, the phytosome one the, the, attached to the phospholipids. And then the Long Vita one, I'm a little less clear on that I saw from now. It's actually the one I bought that claims the you know blood-brain barrier bioavailability. So let me add just one more aspect and that is the rapid breakdown or degradation of certain herbs, again, like uh, curcumin, uh, in the body. So we've mentioned piperine in the past, and whether it helps with the absorption or it just slows the breakdown. Uh, there's some indication from this uh, Nahar paper from the Journal of Medicinal Food back in 2015 that it may reduce uh, the enzymatic breakdown uh, of some of these phytochemicals. Uh, so that would be another way to try to keep it uh, going in your body. Uh, for example, this is roughly unrelated, but you may have heard that grapefruit reduces uh, the breakdown of different substances in the body. That's that's correct. And so, oh gosh, there's so many things to think about here, right? The, the lipid, the fat-based absorption enhancement, um, the uh, phospholipid type, right? The whole phytosome thing. Uh, cyclodextrin, and then there's even this approach with piperine and other things that at least some research suggests slows the breakdown once it's inside you. 
just to sort of round out this discussion, there are there are some legitimate companies selling curcumin, both in a standardized form or something that's been optimized for to make it more soluble. Uh, I'm moving in that direction as opposed to just trying to double or triple dose something. I also actually just buy big bags of turmeric powder and I'll, I'll throw in more than a sane person would probably into like peanut butter shakes, protein shakes with vanilla. And surprisingly, I mean, it makes kind of a yellowish peanut butter shake. By the way, if you ever work with turmeric powder, it will stain everything. Um, but I also consume it that way, again, just kind of getting the standard, in that case, really the raw crushed powder. Uh, so there's different ways to try to increase your intake of this. But when it comes to a lot of the different phytochemicals, herbs and botanicals that I've seen over the last decade or so, curcumin is one of the most interesting to me. Uh, if I bring this back to the beginning, so this paper that came out by Purpura and colleagues, they're trying, they're comparing different formulas that, again, mix this relatively low absorption curcumin with different complexes. Uh, th there is the phytosomone, they're, they're trying a cyclodextrin uh, complex. Cyclodextrins, sort of on a molecular level, they'll make um, these complexes that are supposed to help sort of shotgun in uh, whatever they're attached to. Uh, my familiarity with this was in the old days of pro-hormones, there were some sublingual uh, pro-hormones and they would con sort of connect them or mix them with cyclodextrins to try to increase their solubility and get more of it absorbed across the mucosal lining under your tongue. Uh, so this particular paper is looking at that. Uh, just to kind of jump to the end here, um, it, it talks about significant increased relative bioavailability of total curcuminoids uh, with a couple of these different enhanced versions compared to uh, the unformulated standard stuff. So it seems encouraging that you might be able to actually get a meaningful amount in you. Again, kind of debatable because commercialism really surrounds a lot of this, right? Even the people that do a lot of this research um, sometimes the control isn't quite as well. Sometimes you'll, you'll see authors that if you've been around for a while, you're like, well, I don't know. They have an unusually positive track record of finding dietary supplements, quote unquote, work uh, and that sort of stuff. So sometimes there's some commercial concerns maybe. I'm not saying that anybody's outright fabricating data or anything like that, but it does make you wonder how, and again, because my work with dietary supplements, I can tell you more often than not, you find claims really don't like the supplement doesn't really show in the lab sort of what the exaggerated marketing uh, suggests. So I'm always wary of groups that do a lot of, you know, oh, another positive one. Best thing since sliced bread again, you know, go figure. Uh, so and I'm not saying that's true of anybody here. What I'm talking about today, I'm just pointing out. So there's there's some commercial conflicts at possibly there are uh, any variety of things, but just to give you some background behind how retailers will go to a wholesaler, uh, get some, you know, proprietary version. Uh, in this case, it looks like things may actually help. So I, I'll keep people posted. Again, I'm trying this Kirk brain stuff right now. Uh, I'm just taking one or two a day. Again, I tend to double up on these. The serving size is one. And we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll switch to the Jaro version next. And who knows, maybe coming down the pike, there'll be more of this cyclodextrin version. Uh, yet another way to help, you know, get the absorption kicking.
So thanks for sticking with me while I go through this sort of news slash reviews thing. Sort of a science slant on it. I know not everyone is interested in the antioxidant, anti-inflammatory thing. But even if you don't have bad joints like me, you may find recovery is slow and that sort of stuff. Some of this work has been done in middle-aged people, for example. Uh, it seems to be healthy for anti-disease and whatnot. In any case, uh, drop us a line through ironradio.org. Uh, you could click on the email fortress or what have you and um, let us know if you like product reviews like this, a little bit of science-based. I know not every product is going to be for everyone. Uh, I'm eyeballing a couple of different protein powders, for example, next. Uh, and again, trying to tie some recent science in with it uh, as we go. So having said that, let's go to break. And after, we're going to join uh, Phil Stevens, who's sort of going acapella. He's going to sort of do uh, something on his own here. And it's going to involve goal setting and people who do it. Hey listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh you poor meathead, all that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, there is a book available. You can simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, there's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single digit royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Iron Radio is, of course, primarily a podcast. But over the years, there have been technical glitches calling for backup streaming and listeners who wanted the convenience of other sources of audio content. Toward this end, Iron Radio is now simulcast and backed up on YouTube. If needed, please search Lawnman07 or Iron Radio from within YouTube. There's not much video, but if you like to listen through YouTube on a Roku or other living room device, there you go. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once per week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. Hello, everybody. This is Phil Stevens here. I am sitting here. I'm a strength coach, powerlifter, Highland Games athlete, and co-host of Iron Radio. 
I'm rolling solo right now. Just gonna shoot you some news. I'll cover kind of the topic of the day. I'm gonna go all over the place. Um, the Arnold, first and foremost. I drove out and uh, stayed with my good friends, the Windlers, for a couple of days, which was great. I haven't, uh, geez, it's been years since we actually kind of saw each other in person. So it's good to kick back with, with Jim. I got lots of compliments uh, as we, you know, traversed the madness out there of uh, thanking me for getting Jim out of the house. <laughs> and uh, that, that was fun. Um, yeah, the Arnold was a madhouse. We went on the slow day, which was planned. Um, you know, basically when we go to these things, it's just a, you know, uh, it's, it's less to see the expo than it is just catch up and say what's up to people we know. So, you know, we went and, uh, saw our good friends over at Hate Brand Goods, Matt Vincent, Mike Beach at their booth, hung out with them for a bit. They were right next to the animal cage. Um, got to spot a bit of that, but, uh, catch up with people there. Had some nice talks with the, uh. The, the gentleman that's putting out the West Side uh, documentary, which was pretty cool. Um, you know, the uh, I think it's a little overblown what people are saying. You know, it's going to be the rebirth of multiply lifting and this and that. And even he was, uh, you know, not on board with that idea. But, uh, you know, that, that's kind of a, that sport is a, eating itself up a little bit. It's not dead, but, uh, geez, it's, it's close. Um, but no, I look forward to the, to the documentary. It looks like he put a lot of time into it, a lot of effort. Um, and it'll be good to see that. So we got to chat with him, meet him. And uh, like I said, hang out with Matt and Mike. Um, saw them kicking it, having a good time there. Um, rolled around with Jim. Then we went over to Slingshot Booth uh, to hang out with our good buddy Mark Bell. And over there we got to catch up with Ed Cohn, um, Jesse Burdick, Jeez, a bunch of people stopped over there. It was a madhouse over there. I picked up some new wraps while I was there um, for my knees. And, man, it was just, it, it was crazy. I hadn't been to one of these things in, in a bit. And even Friday was walled, just elbow-to-elbow people. Um, you know, we, we were only hung out for a couple hours. Then we went across the street and got a got a bite to eat. Uh, and they came back, watched a little weightlifting, this and that, and just shot the, shot the shit about training and you know, things like that, um, you know, Jim got to shoot, shoot it with Croc a bit, and, uh, things like that, um, big Brian Shaw killed it, uh, during the weekend, you know, I think everybody saw that, he came out and just dominated, I think he only lost one event, um, and by the last, I mean, didn't take first, so he kind of owned the, uh, the thing, the man is up, is just a, a living monster, um, Hathor was up there doing very well too. Pritchett um, saw some huge deadlifts, but uh, no, I mean other than that, I mean really the time was just spent uh, down there catching up with good friends and mainly catching up with Jim. You know, we got to do a little training in his garage. Got to see Jim laugh at me for my <coughs> trying to squat uh, after driving ten hours and just how bad my hip is and stuff. So I didn't do anything amazing at the uh, in the in the Windler compound there, but I just hit some 405s and some 600 pound deadlifts, stuff like that. Just hit a few, few reps. It was good. And then you know, just talk about our training philosophies. A lot about his new book that's getting ready to come out, um, and just how so many people complicate things so much when 
you know, really, it's it's not that damn hard. You know, they jump on the the bandwagon of, you know, you need to do deficit deadlifts with 14 bands and this and this and this when really most of these people are just weak. Um, even walking around the Arnold, one thing shocking to me, like I'm the smallest I've been in a long time. And, uh, man, you get kind of, you get kind of lost in, uh, <sighs> when you, when you roll with the, the people that were around often, um, and where the state of the general population is, and I'm not trying to trash on anybody, but I mean, the average person walking around, uh, these things, you can hardly tell they train and what do they need do they need reverse band triple maxes with this and then no man they just need time under the bar um and things like that it, it was interesting the uh just talking about that the number of people that that uh just missed that and uh both of us were talking about the high school athletes we deal with it's good to see jim back coach and he's fired up definitely about that about his high school kids um, helping out the football teams looking forward to the book coming out um, I know he spent a lot of time on that and just catching up with where he's at in training uh, the guy dude's in great shape um, different than he was of course when he was he was lifting at, at his top but uh, you know he, he's in, in, in impeccable shape and neither of us are getting any younger uh so it's it's good to see kind of how we both change and then you know talking about my training and how i got this meet coming up and really you know this meet's going to be fun but which we'll talk about more on that here in a little bit topic of the day but it's more a stepping stone to what's to come a year from now two years from now and you know how our mindsets differ where jim's like i'm, I'm done competing uh he has no interest in and competing in powerlifting again where it's you know i tried to walk away for a year and it's like i'm not done yet I, I i got some more i can do um and i still love it you know and that's the passion's still there i tried to not do it and it's i still get fired up to squat even on this fake hip rebuild hamstring and stuff like that but uh you know and that's okay and uh it's it's different for everybody but uh yeah so we hung out we ate food i i got to eat broccoli and, and and lean meats and everybody else was cramming in cookies and things because i'm trying to make this weight but uh <laughs> uh and got to see plenty of of crop tops and and uh, uh spandex around the arnold and the tons of uh apparel being sold which is is new but that's the thing man there's a lot of that going on which is good but everybody's kind of getting their thing out there um, the, the fitness industry definitely isn't dead. It's it's neat seeing it change over the years. But um, anybody who hasn't made it to one of those things, I think you should. It's a good place to. Uh, man, you can meet all these people. I mean, Mark, I think he had a line around the corner. People come take pictures with him. And, and he does a good job of just trying to talk to everybody. Um, and had great people at his booth, you know. Like I said, Ed Cohn was back there tossing out goods. Jesse Burdick. Um, seven or eight other people they're just there and, and meeting the crowds man and it's kind of a one of those venues where you get to you get to see all that stuff and meet all that stuff but um other than that i want to address something that's on the iron radio listeners page that i thought was rather interesting and uh i don't know i think it's a good idea i'll have to talk to lonnie maybe see what we can go on and, and how we'd even address this issue but vicky morgan not long ago 
posted up an impressive feat for herself that after 13 years she finally made it into the 300 pound deadlift club again Vicky I'm pretty sure I went on there and told you uh, congratulations on the thread but if I didn't I'll look now yeah I did but uh, I'll tell you uh, congratulations here on air personally um, you know she's been hard at it for 13 years she weighed at 117 she's 54 years old uh, so she's another uh, aged lifter like myself but uh killed it it was a good looking deadlift but um she came on yesterday or the day before and mentioned how about let me not get her wrong here she thinks it's time to start up an iron radio team of sorts just an idea i like it um i don't know how we'd address this right off the bat you know we're not we're not swimming in money but i think it's a fun idea if we we put together you know a team of athletes it could be across the board in the past we've sponsored people like jp and things like that to go to individual meets but uh you know i don't know i think it'd be fun even to you know get some singlets out there some t-shirts and things like that and get it on some some driven people that are out there doing good things like vicky herself um and you know bringing the sports up and i don't know maybe how we work this out i don't know uh but you know maybe get some assistance on the on the inside from us guys here none of us have a bunch of time but it'd be fun uh maybe we even start up a a group for those lifters where we all talk to each other a bit um yeah i mean we'll see i mean i've got a huge team of my own in powerlifting and and highland games and olympic weightlifting and stuff like that i think the strength field team we got 72 lifters nationwide now on uh weightlifting and I've got that many powerlifters too probably <coughs> if I if I count it nationwide but uh anyway I think that's a good idea we'll have to kick that around some um I'll post on there uh and we'll see where this can go I mean I think it'd be fun if we can even if we start out with three or four people um and build from there just a, a group of uh like-minded people kind of out there competing in things and uh, pushing the name of of iron radio here now that we're past 400 episodes we try to do something every week it's still it's still a passion which is fun like right now i mean i'm i'm waking up lonnie's on the east coast somewhere he's gonna throw in some news bits but uh you know we we make it a, a point to to show up and put something out every week um and we're gonna talk about Oh, not a goal setting, but maybe goal-driven people, or driven people in general. <clears throat> Doesn't even have to be goal-driven, I guess. But I mean, I guess driven people usually have a goal in mind. Uh, if not, what are they driving towards? But anyways, I mean, what got me thinking about this? Let's set this up. I have a meet coming up in seven weeks, and like I said, I'm coming into this meet. Sure, I have I have goals in my mind, but I'm being very realistic about them. Um, it's going to be my first time on the platform after a couple major surgeries. And uh, one of the things I tossed around in my head was doing a meet at 220, which I have never done. Um, that would entail me cutting weight. So at seven weeks out, I was like, well, and sitting at about 235, talking about doing 220. So you're talking I'm 15 pounds heavy. I don't want to come into this thing and just try this cut. Uh the cold turkey so and i know the way my like literally my heavy squat and deadlift day which i'm doing on one day now um because i'm 
just finding out what my training's like. Uh, and that's where it gets exciting for the year to come. This, you know, I'm, I'm just now a few weeks out from this meet figuring out what's best for me training wise. Um, but anyways, that's another topic. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to try this out seven weeks out, see how it's going to go. I've been going on Saturdays and put up good numbers, even though I'm like working on a half a chicken breast and a couple sprigs of broccoli. Um, so it's like, let's do this cut. Let's eat up. Let's treat this like a meat. See what training feels like. So anyways. Thursday night, the cut begins. I'm sitting about 239.5 Thursday morning as I've been loading water all week. I lose a couple pounds during the day. I'm not trying. I'm just drinking minimally. About 9 o'clock, <coughs> I start the cut. Um, and I, it's going good. I dropped like 5 pounds in the first hour. And, uh, you know, the, long story short, I en- ended up getting to 221.5 four or something like that 1.2 or 1.4 pounds away when I cut it off but uh it's it's neither here nor there basically I wanted to get close and it didn't need to get exactly there just to kind of prove to myself I can get there get within it but somewhere in this process while I'm submerged everything except for my nose in a bath that is like 1.7 degrees below taking your skin off <laughs> And you're sitting there for 10 minutes, and I mean, it's literally just complete agony. And I'm like, what the hell? What is different in in people like me and those who are willing to step out there and do, like the average person would have said, screw that, I'm out of here. Why am I doing this? I don't need to do it. The meet in tomorrow. Um, things like that. Or even if there is a meet tomorrow, no, it's not worth it. Um, what... What inside us is different than the average person? Um, you know, why do we push it past there? I mean, I, I, I've read up on some, some goal-driven people, and a lot of it, honestly, is like negative stuff about goal-driven people, that they're, they're scared of failure and this and that. And I think that's anything, at least for myself, anything but, but true. Um, part of me coming into this expected failure, and that's why I'm trying it seven weeks out. And that way I can see what I need to change. What about this process I need to change? Like, for instance, in this cut, I mean, I was following a protocol that I hadn't done before, giving it a shot because it was touted to be to work great, um, to where you get in this amazingly hot bath for 10 minutes and then out for five minutes and then back in, rinse and repeat. And the author was like, yeah, you lose so much more weight in the water um, than you do in just a hot place because just like a sauna... Um, the heat makes you sweat more. So, you know, he was saying that you sweat more while in the water. But, uh, you know, so I tried that and literally I was weighing myself after the 10 minutes in the bath and I lost nothing. Um, in the five minutes out of the bath, I would lose a freaking pound while I'm sitting there sweating. Um, and then, so what I try, I went back to kind of my old way, which was get your body core temperature up. Uh, and then go sit in a hot place for like 45 minutes. What happened? I lost four pounds. So anyways, yeah, like I said, I mean, I wasn't fearing failure. If anything, failure is the best place to learn from. So I don't know where that gets into uh, people get that negativity of, of goal-driven people. I mean, I guess you could set your mind on a goal so far that you ignore everything else. But, but anyways, it just it gets me thinking, what differentiates us? those people that are willing to step out there and step on a platform or you know run a hundred mile marathon or 
put in the the work uh, it, it takes to squat 800, 900, 1,000. Um, these are talks that me and me and Dow had on the way to Ohio. We had lots of hours. And it was like the biggest thing that most people stepping into strength sports or any sport for that matter um, don't get is it's easy to be average. It, it really is. It's really easy to take that step from like Dave Tate, I say this all the time, says from, from shit to suck and then suck to average. It's that next level um, going from average to great. And where and what is mixed up or right in the wiring in in people like us with that, um, and I think what made me realize this was that that last hour that I did, I'm sitting there and I I test my my heart rate as I'm sitting in the heat and it's about 150 and this is when I realized I was like, man, this is stupid. <laughs> I could. You know, I could, I could, I could drop off at any point, and but I'm sitting here and I'm putting up with this, and that's one of the reasons I, you know, I called it there, and you know, I'm sitting here now. It's like I, I don't know if it's worth it. Do I want to make this cut? I won't know that decision until today, but it's like I got to be careful about this. Twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, I didn't have a family, I didn't have kids, um, but now it's like, man, it's not worth it. Uh, as far as that goes but the, the thing that got me thinking about this goal setting thing is that it's literally if I set my mind on something uh, I can just make it happen and where where does that like it's just you just make it happen mindset come from um, is it a toughness thing is it a mental toughness thing is it something that you're just born with um, what I've seen in, in people is a lot of it's who pe it's people who put up with some kind of real adversity in their life outside of this, you know, training under the bar. They were, oh, you'll learn so many lessons under the bar. You will, yeah. But um, you learn more stuff in real life that can, can translate to under the bar. I mean, I see it both ways. But it's like, where does that come from? Where does it spur from? Where... Where does that drive an ability for someone to, uh, I mean, like we're talking about on topic there, literally, I mean, I could see myself like, okay, I'm going to make this and if I die, I die, you know, but I'm going to give it my best shot to make it to this goal. Um, the average person just isn't willing to do that, just like the average person you know, the average dude will get to a 405 squat and then the aches come in, the pains come in. And that's the part that nobody accepts when they're shooting for something great. Even running, you know, like I said, at some point they, they start hurting. It's the, the suck factor as you start reaching the extremes gets really, really big. And it could easily be greater than the, the gains factor or the enjoyment factor. Um, but for those of us that love the sports and, and and love pushing things to the extreme, I think it's that it's that next five pounds, that two minutes off your run, that inches on your throw <clears throat> is worth all that suck. And it's knowing that the average person isn't willing to do that, um, you know, to put up with all this pain, all this agony, these many, many hours of training or many hours of study in a field, if that's what you're going for, um, to become, you know, one of the tops, uh, 
and I don't know, I'd like to shoot this to you guys. Maybe this will start up, you know, some talks on the uh, Vine Radio listeners page. But where where does that set in? And I'm not saying you're bad if you're not one of those people. I mean, I have plenty of people at my gym, and I'm totally okay with them. That they're like, man, I want to be, I want to be good. And that's honestly where most people lie, is in that good area. Um, it's very, very few people that end up reaching that great area. I don't consider myself great. I mean, I think I'll push myself to do what, what a lot of people won't do, um, to, to reach some goals. And I've done as much as I can uh, so far. I think I got more I can do. But where... Where does that come from? And we've even talked about it. My, me and my wife talk about it a lot. It's like, when do people just decide to give up? <laughs> and I think a lot of people have given up. I mean, here in the Midwest, we see a lot of people that have just like, eh, you know, I'm lazy, I'm out of shape, and I've got diabetes, and I'm 57 pounds overweight. It's like, whatever, I'm rocking it. You know, but the, at the same time, they're not, they're not just accepting that. They're not happy about their life. They bitch about it constantly. But they won't do anything about it. And it's like we hold ourselves to this higher standard of, you know, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to allow myself to be that. That makes me unhappy. It makes me unhappy to be not driven. It makes me unhappy to not push towards something. That's like the year I took off of powerlifting. I tried it. Uh you know, after the hamstring, I came back and pushed a little bit after the hip just to get going again. And then I had the hamstring injury and then it was like, okay, man, I'm probably done. Let's try and figure out a new way. So I tried to train just to, with no real goal in mind, let's train just to be in shape and this and that. And that just, that didn't work. Um, you know, my training sucked. I, I had no passion for it. Um, it, it helps that I was able to coach people that still have passion. So that's where my passion started coming in. But I was still missing something in my life. And that's where I was like, man, I'm stepping back on this platform. And all of a sudden, you know, just getting under nothing amazing. But I hadn't touched anything in a long time. And it's like, let's see where I'm at. And to only have had like 405 on your back in two years and to, to walk out 600 and squat it, it was like, that feeling again it felt like a house because I hadn't touched that much but it was like that's what I miss you know and it's it's bringing things to the edge um and it's like you walk it out and it's like I may not come up with this but I'm gonna give it my best you know and I had no doubt in my head but it's just that 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 driving for something more uh that's kind of unexplainable um where does it come from or driving yourself just to be greater I mean people that sit there and, and piss and moan about being out of shape all the time but then they won't do anything about it what separates us people that just do it um, and we find passion in it and you see passion in a little bit of results and that feeds more um, where does that loop disconnect with people um, where do you just start being okay with your misery um, and not doing these things that you love and I, that's part of it I think is that goal driven people have usually goal-driven people have given themselves the okay to push things that they find enjoyable to the limit um 
that's what you see a lot of people I've talked about it before I have no problem with running but I know a lot of people that just hate it but they make themselves do it um, this is a good example because I'm very much a strength based coach um, I work with some runners and stuff like that but it's like it's what I relate to and <clears throat> a lot of people just think I need to run I need to do this I need to do this to be in shape it's like well no you don't if you eat okay you can just push the strength thing and you can push it hard um, it's giving yourself that okay. It's giving yourself the, the idea that it's okay for me to just do that and to be really good at it. And uh, it, it's harder, but uh, finding finding yourself, finding what you enjoy, and then pushing that. And, like, I'll, I'll never be – my body weight goes up and down 280, 270, 290, back down to 220. Um uh, I'm never happy about where I'm at, but I'm not in misery. I'm constantly learning, and I find joy in the pushing forward. Um, all this stuff I looked up on, on goal-driven people is like, oh, they're constantly living in misery. They're never happy with themselves. No, dude, I am freaking ecstatic. My life at this point may have never been better. Um, but am I content? No. I got more I want to do. My list is constantly growing. You know, I think, oh, man, it's badass what I've done in the last five years. What am I going to be able to do in 10? And then you see the average person, and they're just like, eh, punching the clock. You know, I'm not dead. I'm not kicking ass. I'm just okay here. Um, so, yeah, anyways, like I said, I'm just rambling on here. But uh, <clears throat> where does this come from, people? How do we go? What differentiates us? those people that like push for things those people that strive for better those people that don't accept mediocrity um, as just the norm and want to push for things more and find joy in that and I don't I don't like shove it on other people and belittle people I think that's horrible uh, it's one of the worst things you can do I, I worked with a place that that's what like it was a guy that was formerly overweight and like his big thing now the way he keeps himself from being overweight is like bad people suck you guys are horrible you're a a leech on society. It's like, no, dude, if you want to be 450 pounds, rock it. Be happy with it. Just don't bitch to me about it. You know, if you're not willing to do anything about it, don't bitch about it. If you're truly happy with it, rock that, man. Be the best 500 pounder you can be. <laughs> but uh, that's that's my thing is most people aren't happy. and But at the same time, they just, they they won't be a doer. They won't do anything about it. So, um, this is probably going to be the worst episode ever. Uh, it's just me rambling on about this stuff. But, you know, there's a lot of the stuff that, you know, Jim and I talked about while I was out there. Um, and, yeah, it's just, it, it, I don't I don't understand it. Like, he's getting, he's getting eighth graders that are, can't do push-ups when they come in. And, you know, they've been thrown through these crazy-ass programs, but... Uh, endless endless sets and reps and exhaustion and but at the same time that there's no joy in it and I think that if I if I pinpoint anything to really goal-driven people is this they find they're able to focus on the positives and that's what I tell people when you're setting a goal anybody that comes to me and they're like oh dude I want to be I want to be the next Brian Shaw I was like okay well, we need to sit down and make a map. Here are the positive things, and I'll have them list the positive things about being what they want to become. 
you know, I'm huge, I got people following me, I'm winning, I'm strong, I'm blah, 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 blah. You know, there's this list of positive things. And then to go to any of these goals, you need to start listing the negative things. You know, and I think this is where most people fail. They don't look at the negatives like everybody's like, I want to lose 38 pounds. Okay, that's amazing. The goal, the, the goal, the happiness is that you're going to lose 38 pounds. You'll probably be able to move better, feel better, blah, blah, blah. You know, a little bit about yourself, be healthier. But what do you have to do to get there? And that's where people mess up. They never look at the negative things they have to do um, and accept them. You know, it's the same thing with powerlifting. If you want to squat 1,000 pounds, I'm going to hurt. I'm going to put endless hours in the gym. I'm going to, and once you ID those things, now you just have to sit down and make sure that that's worth it to you. Once you do that, those things don't matter. Like on this, this diet I'm doing, people are asking me how you do it. Literally, I eat exactly the same thing every single day. I mean, I could tell you exactly what it's like. Two tablespoons of peanut butter, a scoop and a half of protein, and an apple. And then I come home later, I get four eggs. If I want to change it up, I put a little different spices on it. And then a little while after that, I get another apple. And then at lunch, I get chicken and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's literally the same exact thing every day. But does that matter to me? No, because I id that this is what it takes to get to my goal. This is what I'm going to do. Here we go. Okay, bam. It's set in place. So it doesn't matter. What am I focusing on now is the results. So I've, I've accepted the negative parts. And those don't matter anymore because I've weighed out my options. Here's what I want to do. Here's what's going to suck. Here's what I could gain. Is the suck worth the gain? Yes. Okay, then the suck doesn't matter. Let's move forward. And that's the thing in squatting, like me doing this meet. Is it going to wear my hip out faster? Yep, probably will. You know, it's 25-year hip. It'll probably be done in 15 at best is what my doctor tells me. Okay, I can deal with that. Um, am I in pain? Yeah, I'm in pain. Um, is my training going to have to change? Yep, I got to figure that out. You know, all that's worth it to get under that bar to have that feeling again, to maybe squat seven, maybe squat eight, maybe whatever. Do this thing I'm passionate about. It's like I can accept that. And, you know, it was sitting down with my wife, too, and it's like she's, you know, everybody's like, oh, your wife's going to kill you. And she's like, no, I'm married. I married a powerlifter. I married you. I married this goal-driven person. And I know you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm not going to bitch at you, you know. So she understands it, too. And it's, 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 pushing, it's pushing forward, finding out what you love, Find out the negatives. Find out the positives. Are the negatives worth the positives? Okay. Then they don't matter. Go for it. And that's, I think, where, where most people fail. It's like, I'm 500 pounds. I love lasagna. Well, that's fine. You can have lasagna sometimes, but not all the time. Is it worth it? Yeah. Maybe not to them. I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I just can't. I can't imagine a life where I accept mediocrity in all I do um, if you do that's fine um, and that's n not what I'm bitching about here I'm not like saying I, I don't want everybody to be goal driven and, and excellent then there's then there is no excellent um, I'm just questioning what makes what what makes us that way what differentiates someone that'll sit in a car that's 120 degrees sweating naked <laughs> with 150 beat heart limit uh, heart rate trying to make weight for no real attainable reason except for testing this thing and like I could just open the door and get out but I just sit there what differentiates that from the person that just gives up two minutes and they're like nope that sucks I'm done um, 
because the average person wouldn't do that. And uh, it'd be nice to know if there's anybody that's into the neurosciences and things like that, how we're wired, psychology, <coughs> that can tell me. Um, that would be great because most of the stuff, like I said, that I, I found was like a lot of the negative press on it. But um, that's what I got today, man. Maybe we'll have somebody else. But I want to see you guys shoot this out there on the listener page. Um, maybe we can get a topic going. I'll try to pop in and talk on it. I will also update you guys. I'm going to lift here in about three hours and let you know how the lifting went after this. My guess is it'll go okay, but not as well as I expected. Um, so if that's the case, then I got two choices. I'm going to do 242, or over the next seven weeks, I'll lose five or six more pounds before I go in. Because um, I'd like to rank at least elite. Uh, if I'm going to do 220, it'd be neat. I mean, one of my goals, I'll go ahead and say it out there because I don't mind if I don't end up doing it. I'm going to shoot for it. But it would be, uh, I'd, I'd like to try and get elite 220, 242, 275 in the same year in a 12 month period. Um, but at the same time, it's like, man, I like being a big mammal. My goal, and that's one of my things I, I preach to my clients, is keep the goal the goal. So if your goal is to eventually be a 275 pounder that's, uh, you know, lifting as much as possible, why are you going backwards? Why are you cutting to 220? Um, if that's your goal, you're not going in the right direction. Um, so keep the goal the goal, as Dan John says, and, and move that way. Um, and that's why I don't, I'm not sure I want to cut more down. My diet's already past its point. I was supposed to stop on February 8th, my 40th birthday, but I decided to do this meet. So we'll see. I want to see how this lifting goes. We'll call it from there. If I end up going 242, then 275, so be it. Um, number one is I just want to go out as far as this meet and not hurt myself. Put up a number. Do what I can. If I can squat 650, 700, that'd be awesome. Um, my bench is going to be horrid. You know, hopefully 350. I've got a bad shoulder that, and I've I've ignored my bench the last four or five weeks due to elbow pain because I wasn't used to squatting. So I'll just take what I can on squat, and I'd love to, to pull 700 again since I haven't I haven't done that since this hamstring. Uh, it'd be amazing. And then, you know, my real goal is where can I be a year from now, now that I'm just starting to figure out my training um, and, and how I need to train on this new me. Uh, I, I think I can get some leg mass back, and I think if this hip keeps up the way it is I think sevens and seven fifties and stuff like that in a squat is not unattainable I think I can finally after seven years start putting some leg mass back on because um, it's just not I'm not in agony all the time basically before when I squatted 650 for a triple I was literally in pain all the time I was doing as minimal squatting as I could now I can push some volume and things like that I figured it out I just have a limited frequency I can do so anyways uh, shoot some stuff out there let us know what you think um, if you were at the Arnold and I saw you, hello. If you weren't, you should go sometime. I think uh, we're going to make it a yearly thing where I will uh, get Windler out. And uh, we'll go run around the Arnold real fast for a couple hours, say hi to people, and get out of there. Um, look for his new book coming up. It's, uh, it's, it's huge. It's like five years in the making. It's more than twice the size of his, uh, his other books. It's only going to come out in hard copy just because all the theft on ebook and you know he's just I, I agree with him his his life's work is worth it jim's not one of those people that puts out an ebook every 90 days uh you know he actually puts time he invests time and effort and tests these things out and it's it's his life's work so um 
and this book is pretty much supposed to be able to ride you forever as far as programming goes hence the name the 531 forever but anyways drop us a line let's talk about this on here give me ideas on the team thing I would love to explore that um, it's just figuring out what avenue it goes in are we actually going to do coaching some form of sponsorship I'm not sure I got to talk to Lonnie about that more it's not like our we have this huge expendable bank account we both kind of float this on ourselves and on you guys the listeners which thank you very much um, for your donations but if we can throw some of that back at the lifters that'd be amazing get a team going support some of this stuff we need to get another iron radio seminar going but have a great weekend i'm gonna eat some food i'm at uh like i said i weighed in at 221.4 i'm at like 248 now so i've went up uh, what is that 27 pounds in the last 24 hours and i haven't had a lot of sleep but uh we're gonna go in and squat and bench and deadlift and see what i can do and uh we'll call it from there so have a wonderful weekend guys thanks bye-bye Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry, and they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store. Uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org and um, let us know what you think on the forums and certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding, um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.